Hello. I'm Angus Scrim. Some time ago, word reached me that a gifted young filmmaker with whom I'd worked previously had a role for me in a new film. I would play an alien, he said, and that was all he was going to tell me about it for the moment. My mind raced with the dramatic possibilities. An eager immigrant from the old country, meeting the struggles, the heartbreaks, but the eventual triumphs in the land of opportunity, America. Would I play an Irishman, a Russian, a Chinese? I'd have to master the appropriate accent. Maybe I'd speak initially in another language. Yo hablo un poquito espanol. Je parle français un peu. Bon pour passer The young filmmaker was Don Coscarelli. The role he offered me was an alien indeed, a sinister tall man from another dimension who plundered small-town America's graveyards for dead bodies to be shipped back to his world as slaves. He didn't speak with an accent. About all he ever said was, Boy! Don Coscarelli wrote, directed, produced, photographed, and edited that film, which was, of course, Phantasm. It was an enormous success all over the world in the spring, summer, and fall of 1979. It has remained a great favorite throughout the years, and it has spawned a series of colorful, inventive, terrifying sequels. Now, by means of this latest entertainment incarnation, Phantasm is here for your enjoyment. You will be seeing a film that holds a very special place in countless hearts. And know that as you watch, the tall man will be watching with you. Just behind you there, in the shadows. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 22, Phantasm and Cindy Lauper. That's right. <laughs> well, a sensible pairing. In the last episode, we promised like a special episode this time, like a special treat, but after much deliberation and heartache <laughs> we found that we, we probably wouldn't be able to do a full episode that way so we watched phantasm right and you know that's what we're going to be talking about mostly and then we'll do a little bit of an Sprinkle extra thing in a little cindy lopper <laughs> yeah so phantasm <laughs> we haven't done like a ton of horror movies yet but we both are big fans of the horror genre. Yeah. 
both the good and the bad <laughs> and the ugly of that genre. All right, so <clears throat> all right, we have to cut all this out. Oh yeah, let me get this ready here. That's fine. All right, so in 1979, a young aspiring filmmaker on the independent scene, Don Coscarelli, uh, came up with this self-funded uh, bullshit called Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> Phantasm is like a, a bizarre train wreck of a movie that introduces like a lot of cool shit and... <laughs> It's very, like, influential, and if you've never seen it, like, the first time you watch it, it's kind of, like, fun to watch. But, like, it's really, like, there's a lot of, like, I mean, and people who love the film are, like, probably going to, like, you know. Hate this podcast? Yeah, because, I mean, we're going to kind of be, like, pointing out a lot of the stupid things in it. But, like, it's kind of like this fractured dream narrative um, I mean, a lot of the episodes of our show, we kind of just, like, go through the plot and make our comments as we go, and it's like, for this movie, it's borderline impossible to remember even what order anything happens in. Okay, so, uh, I've watched it now, like, five or six times, and every time we watch it, it's, like, the first time. Like, I, I don't know what happens in this movie. Right. Um, it starts with, basically, like, uh, a funeral. Well, no. It opens with... Uh, a guy in a graveyard getting his bone on with, like, this big-breasted blonde chick. Well, there's actually the intro before that by Angus Scrim. Well, that's just on, like, the DVD yeah. <laughs> release. If we can find that clip, I'd like to use it, but I haven't looked yet. But, yeah, getting busy in the graveyard right. with a smoking hot chick. I mean, smoking hot. <laughs> I don't know. Well, for this town. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of like a... Just kind of like a blonde haired like bimbo type <laughs> i don't know it's hard to like i mean you don't really get any like right feel for what these people are like but uh yeah i mean it seems like we're we first like come across and it's like post love making like yeah. she's got some you know seed drying on the inside of her thigh oh. and like this guy with like his handlebar mustache is like you know all proud of himself <laughs> it was quite the pull and like her boobs are out and everything and then like there's a couple of quick flashes what i can only describe as like the instagram thing where they take three pictures <laughs> and it just keeps getting closer yeah like, it keeps zooming closer like that's the cinematography for it and then all of a sudden it's this old ghoul of a man yeah <laughs> which it's just like it's weird to, it, when you're watching it it's weird to even tell what is happening because you're like yeah because the special effects are non-existent right. so it's just like all of a sudden there's like a dude there yeah and then like it's kind of like unclear like you would assume since she had like titties and it seems like they had just had sex like that she had a vagina but like you know yeah do you think like the tall man then has like a penis i I guess what you're supposed to take out of it is he's like a shapeshifter, right? Right. But, yeah. But, like, it seems like, <laughs> I don't know, like, it could be possible that the tall man d that just doesn't have genitals because there's, like, no reason to. Right. Since he's, like, an alien from another dimension. But, like... <laughs> or from another country, as Angus Scrim <laughs> likes to think. Well, like, you see, like, the woman version 
of the alien would have like a vagina and boobs because that's like what's luring the dude in. It's kind of like under the skin. No, because <laughs> it, you know, they complete like the act. That's true. I guess. So fully functional genitalia. Presumably. Yeah. And like, you know, the shape shift to like the dude, but like it might not be a, what I'm saying is it might not be like a full dude because there was a reason for the woman to have a vagina, but there wouldn't necessarily be a reason for the man to have anything. And there's no real transformation process. No. It's not like uh, that chick that Jennifer Lawrence plays in X-Men Mystique where there's like, you know, some sort of. Right. <laughs> it's just shockingly the budget for Phantasm, which I think was only a five hundred thousand or something. I mean, yeah, that didn't quite match like the X Men movies budget. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing it's other than a... like a quick cut, and then it's like a man is there. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, like so, this dude who we later find out is Tommy. Like, does he? Does the woman? version stab him first That's before the transformation like. it looks like it's the woman that stabs him and but i also don't get see i was used to think that like oh are we the audience just seeing the tall man because it it doesn't make sense really if this dude is like inserted in this chick and then all of a sudden it changes into a dude like i as where is the dead guy's dick at this point has rigor mortis set in i don't well i'm assuming like they had finished and it wasn't in there anymore okay but i don't know yeah i don't know i mean i don't think it's confirmed that (laughs) the act was completed fully (laughs) well that would be kind of weird like if he shapeshifted back into the tall man like wow inside yeah, I mean, what do you think happens there? I mean, <laughs> their wieners just meld together <laughs> and become one wiener, connecting them together. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the whole. And this is just literally the first, like, two minutes of the movie. And you're already like, <laughs> what? What is happening? <laughs> like, it, already the holes are just forming, or, you know, it, you're just. An endless state of confusion that you will never leave throughout the course <laughs> of the entire film. So that take this is this might be our longest episode yet because I mean every single thing you can be like what is going on in this scene and yeah. then just talk about it for twenty <laughs> minutes like so then we see like the funeral for this guy because this guy you know conveniently is the friend of the people that will be like the main characters of the film right which are Jody and Reggie. And Jody's younger brother, Mike. Right. And Jody is like a traveling musician. Apparently, I had to, Previously. Check, I, I had to check that on the internet. Because <laughs> yeah. it just references him being... Being on the road. Being on the road. So but, I thought took that to be he was like a truck driver. Yeah. But that, wrong. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Well, we do see him jamming pretty right. hard yeah. later. Rocking out. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, he's come back into town because his parents were killed in a car accident or something like that. And he has to look after his little brother, Mike. And Reggie is like an ice cream man. <laughs> who <laughs> owns his own like ice cream truck business, I guess. And he's it's... like bald but has like a ponytail. A uh, skullet. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the skullet working. Right. And just an overall like creep. but a nice guy so reggie and jody are like going to this funeral and they're like talking about man can't believe like tommy's dead but they never once referenced the fact that he was stabbed right murdered 
So it's in the graveyard adjacent to this funeral home. Yeah, well, one would wonder then if the body was moved. That's true. Because yeah, well, you could you could take away the part about it being in the in the yeah, graveyard because you could be like, well, they found him somewhere. They else don't or whatever. mention any mysterious circumstances around his death. No, there's never even like what happened to him. Like this is yeah. fucked up. Like this is crazy. Like there's a murderer on the loose. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll later find out that like through you know the same thing almost happening to Jody and also you know what the dead bodies are used for like. That this may not have been the first time with Tommy. So it's like, is there a serial killer in this town just stabbing <laughs> people? It's like, no mention of no, that. No, they don't care. So they like, they go to this funeral and like, as they're, they, like, Jody doesn't let Mike go because it's too fucked up or whatever. And like, so he's spying on everything via like binoculars after, you know, riding his dirt bike like through the cemetery like a total <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Not disturbing the fucking dead. <laughs> but like, you know, you find out like almost like immediately that something weird is happening. Well, obviously we know something weird is happening because of what happened, but we know now that it has something to do with this funeral home because there are like these cloaked dwarves shuffling behind kind graves of similar to those things in star wars that sell droids <laughs> <laughs> what are they like Jawas? Jawas. um also i wanted to point out i mentioned the cin- cinematography There's, i don't know i don't know what the runtime of this movie is maybe like 90 minutes or whatever but yeah um can you confirm that hour and 28 okay minutes. hour and 28 minutes i would say roughly 33 minutes of it is still shots of the funeral home <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah so and then like even inside like Jody is like hearing all these weird sounds and then when he looks like nothing's Boy. there he has like his first encounter with the tall man and we recognize that as what the woman turned into in the graveyard right. from the first scene and that guy just has like this bizarre demeanor of like what does he say the funeral is about to begin <laughs> or whatever yeah, yeah just the way he like talks is like insane right and. We they show like Tommy's corpse, which is like hilarious because it's like the the fakest thing ever because it's basically just that dude, but like with a lot of makeup right. on, and it looks so terrible. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, they you know they go out to the cemetery to to put the casket in the ground and all that, and um, little Mike is still spying on everything, right. and we see. <laughs> Through his binoculars, we see after the whole funeral procession has like left, the tall man like bends over and picks up the entire casket by himself <laughs> and just like l- like lugs it and puts it into the back of like a hearse. But like you know, in a ho- in a casket like a full casket with like a body in it weighs like a a lot and it takes like you know six people minimum I- to carry it and like. You know, he just bends over and picks it up, like, from the waist. Like, doesn't really even use his legs. It's, like, the most awkward, like... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, it doesn't even seem like he's a supernatural being by watching that scene. Oh, yeah. It's because, super awkward. <laughs> yeah, you're, like... Well, seemingly he does stuff later that makes it seem like he has some sort of powers that he can just, like, stop things with his mind or whatever. You know, stuff happens like that. But it's, like... In this instance, he's just struggling to pick up this coffin. And yeah, and he's the way he's holding it is right. weird. Like yeah. at his waist, like un, like under one arm, kind of thing. <laughs> he just lifts like, it up over his shoulder like a fucking boombox. <laughs> yeah. So like at this point, we just kind of like we know 
we we've met like Jody, Reggie, and Mike, but Mike hasn't really done anything like talk yet because he's just kind of been creeping around the graveyard. Because like we'll find out that Mike just like follows Jody around everywhere, right? As Jody explains in a voiceover while he's riding away on like a motorcycle and Jody's chasing him on foot, yeah, or other way around, Jody. So as becomes clear at this point, like the film uses like this fractured narrative very dreamlike very uh in some ways similar to like spring breakers where there's like people talking but it's not happening in that moment and yeah. like you're seeing something else and in then... fact like the reggie uh jam scene very similar to the piano scene in spring breakers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean at just one point there's like jody is just jamming on like the front porch with like an electric guitar plugged into like an amp but then like and reggie pulls up in his ice cream truck in his white on white work outfit yeah <laughs> to jam and gets like his acoustic out and they just start playing together and then like the scene ends and there's no explanation of anything and it doesn't connect to anything else <laughs> well the only connector being reggie's use of that little device that the tuner s- thing. yeah seemingly comes into play later on i don't know well like you know, it flashes back to it whenever he's, like, looking at those prongs that, like, go to the other dimension. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. know what the connection is supposed to be. But. So after the funeral sequence, for some reason, Mikey... I'm calling him Mikey, but I don't know if they ever even call him that. But <laughs> little Wait, Mike... Yeah, okay. I keep mixing up which one's Mike and which one's Jody. Jody's the older brother. Yeah. I'm like, okay. He's, like, Jody Jr. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, they show his parents, like burial site which is just like a box or something. i don't even know what it is but it's like it says yeah. like pearson and then like jody senior and like whatever the mom's name was <laughs> but like um so mike goes to like this kind of a weird move where it's like i don't know you have two kids and one of them one of them gets to be the junior at least it's the first kid i guess yeah usually it's right. the first but sometimes it isn't though that's really weird. Sometimes it's like the third, like yeah. the unexpected or whatever. Right. But anyway. <laughs> so like that fucking condom break, baby. <laughs> Mike goes to <laughs> Mike goes to uh a psychic randomly. This is like so early in the movie. Like we're still like less than like ten minutes into the film and like Mike goes to this psychic. A psychic family, kind of. Kind a of grandma and a I guess granddaughter. Yeah. Uh who sport sort of like these hand-drawn star tattoos yeah the girls is like on her cheek and then like the grandma's like on her forehead kind of like, like where, a third eye type where like situation charles manson like carved a swastika right. in his face yes <laughs> and like and the artwork on these stars is just as good as <laughs> charlie manson's swastika yeah so like this scene makes no sense and has no connection to the rest of the film other than i guess like the, there's like a if you want to be like a douche and like <laughs> you know read like there's all this meaning into everything which i mean i don't i'm I, i'm tr- i'm i'm sounding probably a lot more cynical about this film than i really am because i mean i do think it's like super creative and interesting and there's a lot of like stuff to value in it but at the same time it's like it doesn't make any sense and <laughs> the acting is terrible <laughs> And there's no character development. You don't right. or carry like backstory to the characters. Like you don't really know anything about them. Other well, yeah, because this younger chick seems to be like a peer of Mike's, and they seem to have some relationship. Well, it seems like Mike has come there before, right? 
for some reason, this child is just wasting money on this stupid psychic. Well, I don't know. Wasting money. I mean, I don't know if it really brings him any value, but there's clearly some sort of uh, magical, supernatural happenings going on in these fucking meetings because this black box appears over his hand out of nowhere. That's and, true. And his reaction is just like, whoa, how'd you do that? Instead of like, what the fuck? Yeah, and they tell him to like put his hand in the box and then like his hand gets stuck. Oh, and yeah. Like it's that's pulling it on his yeah. hand or something. And they're like, you have to like release your fear or stop fearing and then or whatever. And then like your hand can come out and then like eventually it does. And then there's some kind of like, like fear is, I don't know. What does she say? Like something know. about fear. The whole thing seems to be related to him being afraid of his brother leaving. Yeah, which is weird because it's like, well, what is supposed to happen to him? Well, that's true. Even Jody is acting like he's going to leave, and Mike is, knows that Jody's going to leave, but there's not really any explanation for what is supposed to happen to Mike when Jody leaves. Right. And, okay, so this established, okay, the notion of fear itself as the killer is established, propelling Mike towards his final confrontation with the tall man. That's that's from Wikipedia. And I, so it's like. <laughs> A lot of people, like, when they try to interpret this movie, interpret the tall man and everything that's happening there. And we'll get into the tall man's ridiculous, terrible plan. (laughs) But, like, that is supposed to just be, like, a representation of, like, fear and, like, a rational fear and, like, the idea of... Because, like, ultimately the movie, um, based on, like, the beginning and end of the film, is about, like, mourning and death. But, like, in this very ridiculous way that kind of obscures the meaning, really. (laughs) Right. Well, it's kind of weird because at the end of the movie, it kind of seemingly goes for this, like, artistic ending where everything wasn't as it seems. But then it kind of goes back to, well, yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, you know, there's a million sequels. Right. Um, Where they're just, like, straight up, like, battling the tall man with shotguns. And (laughs) Reggie's basically, like, a Bruce Campbell type. (laughs) His his little like um, encounter with the psychic doesn't really seem to you know affect him much. It doesn't in any really way. freak him out as much as it sh- seemingly should. It, you know he's scared of those little Jawas he sees running around in the uh, graveyard, but this box that appears that he gets his hand stuck in, you would think that that would propel him to go to his brother and be like, "Dude, like There's some a- crazy shit is going on." <laughs> Yeah, we gotta call the police. There's right. this fucked up psychic. Yeah, and then the psychics when he leaves, they like kind of they laugh at him, right? Well, uh, yeah, when he's gone, like he doesn't know, but they right. kind of just like knowingly laugh. But then, you know, sometime after that, we see the blonde girl again, briefly, and she just for no explan like there's no explanation given as to what is happening. She just goes Wanders to the funeral to, yeah. home, and is in like these white marble like hallways of this. You know, I guess like the I don't know what they call that mausoleum. Yeah, but I don't know, I don't know if that's right. Like I thought of that too, but I'm not sure if that's what you call it. Yeah, I don't know. The, the mausoleum, like a mausoleum, is like one of those like like separate stone structures Buildings. with. But this might be counted as that too, because I think there's bodies in there, but right. they're not like a private thing. catacombs. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> so like she just wanders into there and is she opens some door and there's like some weird radiating light or something behind the door you never see what's there and at first she does there's no reaction on her face so you're like (laughs) it must not be terrible but then it cuts away to another 
of the million far shots of the funeral home <laughs> and you hear you very distantly but like you can hear it but it's definitely there and you can hear it it's her like screaming so you just pre- assume that she's been killed but like you don't really know why you don't know why she was there you don't know anything at that point it's just like it's almost like in Halloween 3 when like the lab tech gets killed and you're just like what is this ha-? like you know what i mean just throwing in another death to make right. it seem scary yeah there's nothing that we, we see on screen that would compel her to go to this funeral home. No. And explore it so deeply. It's a death for death's sake because it's a horror movie, I guess. Yes. But like, so a lot of stupid shit happens and like, <laughs> you know, there's some interactions with the Jawas and whatnot. And then uh, Jody, you know, because he's just like a single dude, you know, trying to raise a kid, like, you know, needs a little me time. And he goes to like the local... Uh, water hole. I think it's called like something saloon. I don't even remember. Yeah, with a pretty creepy bartender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a pretty shitty building too. It's just <laughs> yeah, like a, it's, it's really a weird. terrible looking bar, and like there's like a dinosaur thing <laughs> or something outside. You know, miracle of all miracles. There's like a you know a a little you know blonde number that is pretty interested in whatever game Jody has and. Yeah, I mean, Jody's kind of like Kevin Bacon in Footloose. I mean, <laughs> he's like, look, honey, I've traveled the world. Yeah. I'm like a musician. This edgy, kind of uh, mysterious musician. I have like a cool black Trans Am. Has like every Rolling Stones t shirt. So- or at least one <laughs> that he seemingly is wearing in every scene. Yes. Uh, he really is dedicated to that Rolling Stones t shirt. Yes. Um, but anyway, occasionally wears a cool hat. <laughs> so this chick, I, I would assume this is the chick's idea because we, as we'll find out, it's, you know, the same ordeal that went down with uh, Tommy. Uh, they just go for a walk outside of the bar and they end up in the cemetery and yeah. they're looking to get down. A lot of dudes easily convinced to just get down in the cemetery in this movie. I guess, yeah, and we talked about that, and I'd be like... Any port in storm, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how, like, I don't know, if some chick was, like, super eager to, like, bone in a cemetery, I don't know if I would necessarily be into that. Yeah. Because I'd be like, I don't know, it's kind of suspicious, like, how much you want to go to the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with this, like, Motel 8 over here, whatever? <laughs> Motel 8. <laughs> Motel 6. Yeah. Or a Super 8. Super 8. One of um... But, of course, the whole time Mike has been spying on him because he's a little creep. <laughs> yeah, which that's kind of strange, too. It's like I know I understand like the teenager wanting to see like naked chicks thing. But it's like at the expense of seeing your brother have sex. I, I don't know. It's like, eh, Yeah, I don't know. I didn't have like an older brother or anything. But like, I don't know. That seems like something that's like common in oh, movies and okay. stuff. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> seem like that bizarre right. for whatever reason. But like. Yeah, because, all right, they go to the cemetery, they, like, lay down on, it seems like, on a grave, I don't even know. (laughs) And, like, you know, he pops some titties out, and, like, it cuts to Mike in the bushes, like, reacting, like, with this big smile of, like, oh, yeah. And then it it shows you Mike's angle of, like, watching, and you can't see anything. Uh... Roughly a hundred yards away, <laughs> and like you can see their legs, right? And that's it. Yeah, it's like what is he reacting to? I don't know. That was like a stupid 
thing to leave in there is him reacting to the boobs. Right. But like as this is happening, like those little Jawa things are creeping around in the trees and bushes too, and he f- sees one running at him, which prompts him to then run out of the trees screaming right past where his brother <laughs> and this chick are and like his brother like pops up and he's got the chick's panties like in his teeth <laughs> and they proceed to stay there for like Me. the duration of that scene. <laughs> it's like he didn't just like rip them off with his teeth and then drop them. He's like holding them around like an animal. That's a man right there. <laughs> and he's like, I'm keeping these. <laughs> yeah, I never really like. What do you think like the tall man's process when he turns into a chick like deciding the wardrobe is? He's like, yeah, I gotta get like these clean. Like panties. he's gotta have his yeah. He's I mean he's gotta have his like finger on the pulse of fashion a little bit because it's like if he show I mean if he's getting down with these or you know in chick form getting down with these dudes and they all of a sudden like pull out like pull their skirt up and there's like these granny panties. Well, he probably they'd be running for the hills. Well, since like the you know he deals with like death and cadavers and all that stuff, he probably just replicated exactly what was on some dead chick. A thong. <laughs> I don't know. In 79, that was probably not that common yeah, to just meet a girl with a thong. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody's getting buried in thongs anyway. <laughs> um, So, I've known some chicks who should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember like when I was like younger, like kind of like inexperienced with with things. Like I never really like understood like the idea of like the dude like keeping the girl's like panties you know how that's like a thing yeah which i never really i was like obviously like kind of like an idiot i guess but like not an idiot i just like wasn't yeah full-on like creep creep yet so it's like i never like got it for like the longest i was like i don't understand what you do with them (laughs) you just keep them in the closet (laughs) yeah it's like what do you, you just like hide them somewhere and then you just have them Especially, like, you know, when you're in, like, high school and you're, like, living, like, with your parents. It's yeah. like, what are you supposed to do with them now? <laughs> your mom finds them. <laughs> They're like, oh, God, we knew it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, all right. So, Jody chases after Mike and the chick. Yeah, you know, he's pretty immediately like, oh, that's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's my retarded brother. I got to go chase him down. <laughs> oh, man. People are going to be offended. I I'll said cut retarded. that out. No, leave it. All right. So like, it all stays. <laughs> so like you know, he runs after his brother, and you know, before the chick like had a chance to turn into a dude and kill him or whatever. Right. And you know, Mike again starts telling like this is not the first time is that he's tried to like tell his brother that some weird shit is going on at this funeral home. He's just like, dude, seriously, like there were these little brown things like chasing me. And he's <laughs> like, it's probably a gopher, and he's like, it wasn't no gopher. <laughs> And then he's like, all right, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll give you the keys to the house and you can go home. <laughs> yeah, some deal. It's like, and well, bro- dude, I could have been home anyway. I followed you here. <laughs> it, yeah, and it's like, what, does his, his little brother, like, not have keys to the house? Like, <laughs> that's because, like, all right, maybe some little kids wouldn't, but, like, this kid's not that young, and he's constantly on his own, it seems it's like, like. But it's like, I already had the option to be home. <laughs> He's like, that's not going to make me feel better about what just happened yeah, in the woods. But right. for whatever reason, Mike accepts this and leaves. And then, <laughs> well, when, that sounds like a pretty good deal. <laughs> when Jody goes back to the Finish cemetery, the, the chick is gone, which is weird because it's not like 
the tall man's cover was blown. It's no. not like anything went really awry. It just got delayed because he's able to like you know send his little brother off and you know <laughs> go back and get at that ass and like <laughs> I don't know they still could have like pulled their move like it, I don't know why everything just abruptly had to stop but whatever so yeah well I guess we haven't really addressed this but I mean Tall Man is on to Mike a little bit right I mean. Like he saw him. I, I yeah. It I don't seems really like because then at one point before this is happening, Mike's like walking down the street and like tall man's walking down the street and like freeze frame like looks at him. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was happening in that s- sequence because like all right, yeah. so they're like in town and Mike is just like walking on one side of the road and he sees the tall man like lumbering like a big <laughs> those doofus. fucking waffle stoppers just <laughs> shaking the earth when he walks. Yeah, he walks like in a really deliberate, weird way, and his arms don't kind of like match up. Right? I don't know. There's just something weird about it. But then, like Reggie randomly is on that side of the road, and he opens the back of his ice cream truck, and all this cold air starts blasting out. Right. And I always kind of thought that that's why he stops originally. Oh, maybe yeah. Because he just kind of abruptly stops and he turns, and it's like he's looking at Mike, but like. I don't know. I I looked at it closely uh, when we just watched it, and it doesn't. It's unclear if he's really like looking at Mike because it doesn't seem like he's looking at anything in particular. He's just kind of like basking in that Which, cold air. What is he doing? Like running errands? <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's got to like keep up the appearance that like it's a reputable funeral home. He's right. got to make appearances in town. <laughs> he's got to pick up like, you know, he's got to buy some new panties. Which by the way, <laughs> if someone wanted to come in and put this funeral home out of business, just like one of those like McDonald's type funeral homes with like neon lights, <laughs> like they could easily do it because it's like the bedside manner of this like funeral home director is zero. <laughs> yeah. It's like the funeral's about to begin. And it's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. My, Brother died. Can you be a little bit fucking nicer? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that also, like, yeah, that thought process also uh, leads into me thinking, like, all right, so how is it that this little idiot on a dirt bike is, like, the first person to notice that something, something is awry here? It's <laughs> happening at this funeral home. Like, um, I don't know. It just seems implausible to me that like no like with all the stabbings and weird stuff that must be going on to like keep getting corpses like i don't know it just seems like people would have been suspicious ahead of this but whatever as well this is like one of the reasons why this movie ends up being like kind of dumb is because you know as we'll find out at the end like this is kind of all a dream but Possibly. then maybe not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, so you can be like, you. it's it's kind of a cop-out because you can always be like, well, when you start looking at bigger issues like that, like why isn't anyone else suspicious of this place? This guy has literally no personality and is like terrible at being like a funeral director. Right. And all these weird deaths are happening and there's obviously you know issues going on there and it's like no one notices but then you're just like well it's a dream <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? it's just like right you can it, it's always like a cop-out because you can just explain away anything so mike I, and you know just as like a warning to anyone who might actually watch this movie or 
you know, have or be ultra familiar with it and then listen to this or whatever. Like these, the way we were describing this, some of this stuff is probably out of order. Like we're, it's we're hard just trying to remember, to remember yeah. what all happens at some point. Right. So then <laughs> at some point, Mike is just like, you know what? I got to go up there for some reason and try to solve this. Well, that's the thing. As I was asking you yesterday when we were watching this, I'm like, what is Mike's goal here? I mean, he knows something is weird, but, like, I guess he's just, like, wants to investigate and report. But it's just, like, I just don't even understand what, what he's going for here. Well, I guess you can make, like, the long-term argument of... Saving the world. <laughs> no. Uh, if the movie is truly about mourning and grief and death... Uh, because it is referenced later whenever Reggie, Jody, and Mike are having like one of their big powwows after they all know something's wrong and they're gonna like do <laughs> right. something. Like Mike is quick to bring up that their parent that his and Jody's parents are there. Now at this point he doesn't know that something weird is happening with the corpses or anything, but Yes. Um I mean when he he knew he knows then, is what I'm saying. He knows in that scene where he mentions his parents, so at this point, when he's first going up there, he doesn't necessarily know that, but maybe that has something to do with his driving reasoning the whole time. Right. Because he's not... I guess, like, if a lot of this is supposed to be just, like, symbolic and metaphor, like, it's clear the in some way he's not handling the death of his parents very well, which is understandable because, I mean, he's so young. But, like, that's the only explanation I can come up with because it's like he doesn't... Tommy is just some dude that was like his brother's friend. It's like he he didn't seem to have a super big connection to him. So right. it's like why I don't know why well, you'd be super worried about him or I guess what happened with his body. Maybe yeah, maybe that is like the explanation to in like forgetting like the dream part of it just in the reality of the movie of what happens like on screen. It's like maybe it's just that he sees that this guy's like taking bodies out of there and his parents' bodies are at this yeah, and also, at this point, his brother has been seduced to the cemetery. We don't know what the characters know True. about... We don't know if the characters are, are aware of anything that happened with Tommy. So maybe there is something if he's like, well, wait a minute. Even though it's like, if Jody knew that Tommy was take, was in the cemetery and was stabbed, I think he'd be like less likely to go there True. at night. But Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, so All there's right. that, and also the little Jawa things have been—they've made their way to Jody and Mike's house at least once, right? That we know of, because when he's underneath the car, yeah, they move pretty quick too. They shuffle, <laughs> along. yes, but um, the little legs. So they, I guess, like in a way, uh, there's like a brief scene of Mike for some reason underneath. Jody's car with it, you know, like fixing things by up. hitting it with a hammer. Yeah, who knows what this little idiot is even doing <laughs> under under there? But like, the car's propped up on jacks, and he's underneath it. And then the little Jawa things like shuffle into their garage and knock the jacks off, and he's like trapped under the car. <laughs> but then seemingly hits his brother with a hammer, and then rolls all the way out of the car like he wasn't trapped. It it makes zero sense what happens. <laughs> All right, so yeah, he shows up at the funeral home with a nice little inconspicuous breaking and entering by just kicking this glass that breaks so easily <laughs> and like well yeah, the glass shatters, shatters so, so loud. loud. <laughs> and then 
in, like as he's about to hop in through the broken window, he kicks out the rest of the glass, <laughs> yeah. shattering more of it. And it's just like not the best <laughs> at breaking and entering, not like a stealthy prowler. <laughs> right. And then this like leads to him kind of snooping around and trying to figure out what's going on. And like he hides in a casket at one point from this other guy who, who shows up. I guess like it's weird because like that guy in a few minutes will just be killed by something to do with what's going on. And it's like, well, why did that guy get killed if he's like on their team? I don't understand. <laughs> it's, he seems like a disciple of the tall man. Yeah, I guess that like maybe that's the guy that does like the funerals. Like he's the more hands-on guy. Like maybe he's like a regular. The holes. Maybe he's like a regular human being like enslaved or something you know what i mean like yeah they needed some more regular people around them to like hide the operation more or whatever but anyway so he hides in a casket then he like comes out and then he's wandering those marble halls and like out of nowhere this little it's not even that little it's like the size of a baseball or a little bigger the steel looking ball that flies through the air starts coming after him and then there's like that other guy who's not the tall man, and uh, I think like what happened? Like Mike jumps like out of the way. I don't know. And right. Then, like this little the ball, ball like, like opens up, and it's got like these two sharp looking like prongs, death that, prongs that jam into the guy that guy's head, and then a drill comes out from like the middle of the ball <laughs> and just drills its way into like the guy's brain, and like blood is like gushing out of his head, so he's like instantly dead. And then the tall man comes around and like he has like a face off with Mike, which is kind of weird because they're like mirroring each other in a way. Because like Mike takes one step towards the tall man for some reason, and the tall man takes one step, and then Mike takes like three or four steps, and the tall man takes three or four steps, and they kind of like pause (laughs) each time. And then like Mike's like, "All right, I'm gonna bolt," and he like runs down this hallway, and then the tall man runs after him, and there's like a chase. And he slams this door shut, and it's like this huge door with like a padlock type thing. I guess it's like metal. And then like <laughs> randomly, like the tall man's fingers get caught in it, like his hand gets stuck in the door. And Mike takes this knife that he had brought along with him and just chops the fingers off, <laughs> which then like all this like yellow goo comes out right and this horrifying confirming that he is not human yeah this like horrifying scream that is like non-earthly is emitted and the fingers once severed are like hopping around like bugs right and he picked for some reason he picks up one of the fingers and puts it like in the his like jacket pocket and then like (laughs) then he's chased by the little uh jawa things and hops out the window now he seems very overmatched in this whole sequence. I don't know how he gets out of here. A lot of luck. Yeah. And <laughs> PF Flyers. <laughs> so after that, he's like, all right, so now at this point, like Jody, you know, ha- doesn't believe any- that anything weird is happening. No, which is strange because this seems like such a believable story. <laughs> So he takes the finger home and then like the fingers rattling around in this box like it's causing this box God. to like jump around and all this stuff. But then uh 
he tells the story to Mike, and then it seems like Mike is just like, you know what? Yeah, something weird's happening there. We should call the cops. Go get that finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, it, this should have ended with like Mike being sent to like juvenile hall for you know assaulting some, breaking and entering and assaulting <laughs> someone. He's and, like, you cut the fingers off of the old man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. So he goes and gets this box, and he notices that it's not shaking around anymore. So he opens it up, and there's like this giant fly. Is like what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a fly or something. Right. And it's like the fakest looking, crappy <laughs> yeah. thing ever. And it like flies out, and it like gets on his head, and then he freaks out, and then he like gets it somehow trapped under his jacket, and he's taking his jacket, trying to get his jacket down the stairs. And this thing seems like it's so powerful that, like, when it flies around, it's causing, like, as he's holding on to the jacket, like, it's causing him to, like, crash into the walls and, like, fall down the steps <laughs> and, like, all this crap. And his brother's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, so get then it together, man. That he tries to grab the jacket and they're both struggling with it. And then uh, Mike's like, let's get in the garbage disposal. <laughs> and they finally get it down the garbage disposal and turn it on. But, like... Apparently it wasn't dead because when Reggie, well, Reggie shows, shows up, up Reggie's just like he's like a pesky neighbor from a sitcom. He's always just dropping by. It's like, hey, what's up, guys? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, not this si- scene is like so like whimsical, like for some reason. It's like, well, I just wanted to see what you guys are up to. What's, what's going on? And then he's like, all right, what's going on here? Something's going. On. Like- yeah, and then like at that moment, the thing pops back out of the garbage disposal and starts flying around again. <laughs> And they have to catch it again and then put it back into the garbage disposal and turn the disposal on while he's jamming like a huge knife down there. <laughs> so eventually they kill whatever this thing is that transformed out of the tall man's finger. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, this is like enough evidence for like the older people to want to get like involved. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Time to squat up. What is it? Like the three of them then go to the funeral home? Yeah. And uh, this is where a lot of bullshit comes in because <laughs> the tall man's like actual plan is so ridiculous, and somehow they like just based off of like what they see, they like figure out the plan. Like I don't know how they figure it out. Like it, it's not anything I would ever logically come to, even yeah. seeing some of the stuff they see. But like I don't know like how to. I don't know what order any of this shit happens in though because like at some point there's a car chase there's a car chase that like ends with like them f- seeing that like in the Jawa costume is a shrunken version of their friend Tommy <laughs> who they have to like re-kill who's like now a dwarf or something and this is like that combined with then this trip to the funeral home where eventually Mike ends up falling through the portal to another dimension kind of or at least like hanging into it and he sees like a procession of these like hooded dwarves walking along and just from like that he's able to deduce that they're slaves yeah (laughs) so if you're not familiar with the movie basically the tall man is this giant alien beast who can shapeshift from another dimension turns these people into jawas sends them to tatooine where they will then buy and sell droids (laughs) yeah it's like they take the corpses of like the recently deceased and crush them down 
to the size of dwarves and then enslave them to do God knows what. <laughs> That's basically the whole idea. And somehow this little metal ball is involved too. Now, why do the, do the people... I, I guess the people have to be killed first and then are shrunken down and revived. Killing seems to have to be a part of the process. Yeah, I'm guessing because if if they were just regular people, maybe they wouldn't be slaves. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they could put them in that weird like goo room, though, and under the skin, where they just like slowly, I don't know, whatever the hell is happening in that movie. Yeah, it's just like there's not like a, any point in the movie where like it isn't this bizarre, dreamlike fractured narrative. But like as it goes along, it gets more and more like that, where it's harder to even figure anything out because once. They establish they for once they somehow figure out like what the tall man's plan is. It's like, how did they do that? And then now we're all going off of that assumption. And then like, <laughs> Reggie is stabbed at some point. Yeah, and seemingly a uh, uh, mortally wounded. But yeah, it seems like he's gonna die. I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, and then he's I don't know. And then Jody and Mike come up with like this crazy plan to like what even is that like they like they want to like trap him in like a cave or something yeah like a mine shaft yeah something like that and then like fill in the mine shaft on top of him it's like well if he's like this he seems like well he's super strong a but he also seems like he can kind of do like anything yeah like i don't understand why he wouldn't be able to get out right it's kind of like uh in true blood when they trap that one Russell Edgington in the in the cement. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <clears throat> this this thing that I'm looking at now refers to that area that we've as a mausoleum. So I guess that's right. Um I just always thought like a mausoleum was like more of like a private thing, but I guess it can be like a more public one. I don't know. Maybe that's not even what those things are called. The private things that I'm thinking of. Um anyway. It's like they just they devise a plan to lure the tall man into a local deserted mine shaft and trap him inside. After doing so successfully, Mike my bloody w- Valentine. Mike wakes with a start in his house, lying by the fireplace. It's like so that right after they find after the, like their big final confrontation, like lucky for them, there's a mine shaft nearby. It's like yeah, lucky. For where the, are their mine shafts? Plus, also like lucky for them, this stupid plan actually worked. Like it doesn't even <laughs> seem like that would be enough to stop this guy but somehow it is and then you know mike wakes up what happens to all the jawas running around i don't know it, i guess it doesn't matter because mike wakes up and then it seems like it's a dream right where reggie reveals oh my like jody's actually been dead this whole time yeah it's like not only did mike's parents die but then also jody dies right <laughs> heroin oh. overdose on the road <laughs> no i think that it was a car accident too which an unrelated car accident i don't know like and he's basically like in a really weird and awkward scene is like holding mike and it's like i'll be there for you and they're like both like crying it's like this you know ice cream man who's probably like a child molester and (laughs) has like a skull it is like wears very form-fitting suits I, I I don't know, and th- but then obviously you know to get that last scare in, it's like well then the tall man and the little Jawas are like real yeah again and right. they like pull them through a mirror but or maybe something. for the first time are real 
<laughs> you know? Because it's like, I don't know. Maybe Jody just died in that graveyard that night. But why is it like Reggie spinning some other story? Like Reggie doesn't know that maybe the tall man made it look like a car accident. Yeah, because like they never really explain like when Jody died. Is like was it right. part, was all of this a dream? Was it like so at some point during it, like Jody is killed and Reggie's still unaware of what was really happening? I don't know. It's so bizarre because I mean. <laughs> As if, like, the rest of the movie wasn't hard enough to figure out what's going on. It's like, the ending, then, it's just like, what? <laughs> so, like, I was watching Phantasm 2 with my friend Dustin, like, a couple years ago, and he was, like... I, it, was, it was the first time I'd seen it, and I just kept, like, asking questions. And, like, probably about, like, the fourth question is just like, dude, this movie, like, doesn't make sense. Like, if you think... <laughs> you get, like, real answers here. Yeah, like, Phantasm's, like, one of those weird movies that gets, like, held up in this high regard and, like, is kind of considered, like, this horror classic masterpiece type thing and, like, depending on how you feel about whatever, but it's, like, it's kind of, like, on this upper echelon of, like, classic old school horror movies that, like, you kind of has a reputation before you ever even see it or know anything about it. It has, like, a very iconic, like, theme song. Yeah, the, well, yeah, we haven't even mentioned. The music is, like, really cool. But, like, yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. I, it, this might be just, like, from personal experience. But, like, um, you know, you don't know anything about it. Then, like, you finally see it. And you're just, like, huh? <laughs> like, you're just, like, I don't know. It's kind of, like, one of those weird reactions to a thing that kind of you kind of had built up as something. And then, like, when you actually see it, you're kind of, like, so confused right. by it it's it's weird i don't know like i guess i I definitely can see like why people love it or whatever but like it it's just like wow it's hard to understand really yes but you know whatever (laughs) i i mean i do there is some funniness to it it's not like on the level of unintentional hilarity like a halloween three or something but like yeah i don't know I don't yeah. know what else you could possibly say about Phantasm. I mean, we kind of like sped through a little bit of the ending there, but yeah, yeah. By the end of the movie, you're kind of just, just like, like, all right, hey, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, just get that tall man in that mine shaft. Although there is like one part after like some of this craziness has started to be like revealed to Reggie and Jody, where like Mike is just seemingly in the care of like these two super hot blonde chicks oh yeah (laughs) but like you don't know it's kind of unclear why because then eventually after they get killed (laughs) like mike runs home and jody's just sitting in the house on in like the living room (laughs) jody just needs some him time i guess it's like here hey babes take care of this kid (laughs) like i gotta you know take care of a few things (laughs) and just him staring at a wall like what is going on just puts those fucking but it's almost like mask on yeah it's almost like they introduce like two other young like chicks just to be like all right so they get killed i don't know right kind of like the blonde girl that just wandered into the 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 psychic's granddaughter that wandered into the mausoleum and is killed for no reason like it's just like i don't know but um all right well (sighs) let's shift gears here we're gonna switch it up now and go in a completely different direction I guess we wanted to incorporate music somehow into this podcast, so... Yeah, I mean, so far, 
Uh, we've stuck with like movies and TV is kind of like a general rule, but like, you know, we want to be multimedia. Yeah. I mean, we're both like pretty big music fans. So, Hey, why don't we try to, it's our podcast. Yeah. We'll just throw in whatever we want. Yeah. (laughs) So recently we went to see an, a cultural icon in concert. Big uh, bucket list moment for me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I definitely have started to uh, like and appreciate pop music more over like the last few years. Fifteen years, <laughs> and Cindy Lauper. I mean, you forget like how many hits she has, and like kind of strangely, all- like all on one album. Eh, no, I mean True Colors was its own album. True Colors stinks. <laughs> it was a hit though. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean. You know, she first like reached prominence like in the early to mid '80s, and still hanging tough, putting out new records, including you know recently like a country covers album, which is what right, she which was kind touring of here made us hesitant about the show. Yeah, because you you know you don't really know what to expect with that. Yeah, like, is it going to be like ninety percent of these country songs, and then girls just want to have fun, and then that's it? Yeah. But like yeah, she did she did like a pretty good job of mixing back and forth between like the recognizable eighties songs and then these newer country covers. Which are all luckily about a minute and thirty seconds long. <laughs> yeah, um seemed like a packed house, probably was sold out. For some reason, like you know, when we were like going into the venue, the guy was like, There's eight tickets available. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you want to like, call anyone Well what is that? Yeah, and it's like these weren't cheap tickets either. It's like, well you think someone's just gonna show up and pay like face value for these things? I don't know. Sometimes I mean yeah. there's definitely like walk ups to things. Yeah. But um yeah, it was at this place called like the Carnegie Music Hall, Carnegie Library of Of Homestead. Music. Yeah. I don't know. It was like the weirdest venue for like a yeah, show. Yeah, there was like, like a lot of rooms. It kind of seemed like there could have been like a murder mystery dinner going on, like with all the like rooms. Yeah, I mean, we just yeah. in the part we saw. Okay, so we like walk in and there's like this giant auditorium, but then you go to the right and there's like an actual functioning library. Right. Um, we. I mean, we spent roughly the first fifteen minutes trying to find a bathroom. Yeah. Which. And- <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, in the library, they were, like, serving, like, wine that you could, you know, you had to pay for. But then, like, you keep going further to the right, and then there's, like, this multi-purpose room that kind of was, like, reminiscent of, like, a high school gymnasium almost, but, Mm -hmm. like, kind of cut in half. Yes. And in there, they were, like, had, like, kind of a more of a full bar, and they, like, table set up. But we saw signs for, like, a pool. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, (laughs) what is this place? It's like a library that has a music hall and a pool and probably like a lot of other weird shit. I mean, and it's like o- in the middle of like a neighborhood in Homestead. Right. It's like kind of weird. Yeah. And the auditorium or like the where the show is is definitely like an old like school looking auditorium with like old wooden seats. Yeah. And like, I don't know, a lot of like concerts and like comedy have, has been going there over like the last however many years but like i had never been there yet and some of the like the music acts that play there it's kind of weird to think about because i definitely have like heard of some like bands and stuff playing there and it's like you have like all these assigned seats and yeah i don't know a lot of kind of like acoustic acts i hear play there and stuff (laughs) maybe i don't know lauren hill i think was playing there the next week yeah (laughs) 
I know Jimmy World has played there before, which is strange, but um, yeah, I mean, it was like a pretty fun show. Um, she really had the crowd going, obviously, with all the yeah, well-known her, songs. Yeah. Um, I could hear like chicks, like older chicks, like I mean, a lot of crowd interaction. Like a lot of people yelling things. Yeah, a lot stage, of basically. lot of too. But like a lot of chicks, like kind of like you didn't hear it, but there were chicks like trying to like imitate her voice of like the way she talks. Yeah, which I was just like really off put by. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we <laughs> we went ahead and you know splurged for the big money seats, and we were in the third row. Yeah, <laughs> and like, just I, confirming our fucking homosexuality (laughs) (laughs) and like yeah there was definitely like a a large uh i would say there were like more lesbians there than yeah like there were definitely like gay men there i mean i definitely saw a lot of them too but a lot a big lesbian crowd kind of a we were definitely on the younger side of that crowd but there were you can't say often for things that were (laughs) (laughs) but there were some like youngish looking people there um one of the hottest chicks at the show just happened to like sit next this to Matt. This is my favorite part of the whole night. It's like this chick coming in the row with like her husband or whatever, and you just say to me, "Oh my god, this super hot chick's about to sit next to you with her husband," as if that's humiliating for me somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're there with another dude. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, not you know that there's anything wrong with that, but just <laughs> it's not even who you are or whatever. But yeah. um. You know, we saw like a rec- some recognizable faces in the crowd, yeah. and uh, I would say, like the you know, I wish that we would have been able to go to the 30th anniversary of She's So Unusual, like right. that tour. But like at that point, we hadn't, we weren't like all in yet with the Sydney Lumber experience. Like we weren't, yeah. we weren't on that path of like, man, it would be fun to see Cindy Lumber in concert. Right. It's like at the, I think when we first started like appreciating. You know, uh, by the way, like your favorite Cindy Lauper song isn't even on She's So Unusual. Which one? All Through the Night. Oh, isn't it? I don't think so. Oh, I thought it was. But um, also the Goonies. Well, I know the Goonies isn't. I mean, that, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but is that on like one of her albums or is that just know. like a soundtrack song? Well, I'm just defending her since you tried to bury her already. Yeah, for some reason. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, we we started to appreciate girls just want to have fun because I mean, like that's like an incredible pop song. Yeah, it's so good. And the verses to that song are so great. <laughs> <laughs> and like back, you know, when she was first getting big, I mean, like she had a big uh, connection with the WWF, which was strange. People tuning out of the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they probably already have because this right. is horrendously boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, she played, uh, girls just want to have fun and time after time and true colors and, uh, when you were mine and yeah, when you were mine was great. She bop. It, it was, she bop was like kind of weird. Cause like it, it was like a, occurring to me that like, we're just like two regular straight dudes just going to a Cindy Lauper show and like, we're not even in the appropriate age range because like i was born in 83 and well we're children of the 80s 
and it's just like we're watching this you know woman that's older than my mother yeah sing a song about like female masturbation <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i will say this she definitely still has some pipes I mean, oh yeah she, she can, sounded she sounded great yeah and you know her band was pretty good and it was it was fun yeah it's a good time <laughs> and you know now we've we're establishing that music could be something that comes up on this podcast in yeah, the future i think like with with cindy lopper because we like i said we were kind of too young to have like a lot of personal experience when the music was new it's kind of like a hard one to do but i think we have some ideas for some later apps you know much later right that we'll be able to draw on personal experience like a lot more yeah i mean my biggest personal experience with cindy lopper was basically just you know watching the goonies over and over as a kid and just that song (laughs) (laughs) yeah that might be the first time in my life yeah that her that song in the goonies is like so good yeah it's such like an important movie to me personally. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, we use a clip from it in our yes. intro and everything. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's the Cindy Lauper part of the show. All right. <laughs> Not a whole lot there, but yeah. I mean, we were gonna like if you know we were gonna do a little bit more with it, but we could, we just like couldn't find like a starting off point. Really, it was just kind of yeah. We'll get better at the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, thanks for listening. You can. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Um, you know you can subscribe via iTunes. Um, we would appreciate some ratings and reviews and comments and whatnot. Um, I think our email is like Greatest Moments at Yahoo dot com. Not that I've looked at it in months, but I don't know. And we might be looking to do some different things here, maybe. Uh, release a couple episodes on the same day in the future. Might do a couple different things, but we we might have another big two parter coming up. Yeah, we're we're gonna do like a big special uh, episode for our twenty fifth, which should be fun because it's something. It's a topic that like we definitely should be doing and are very passionate about. Have a lot to say. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, check back and keep the faith. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're out of time. Thanks for listening. Stray cat is crying, so stray cat sings back.